Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark. And we're going to be looking at chapter 13. And uh, we're going to pick right up where we left off, verse 28. The nation of Israel was always compared to a fig tree. And uh, depending on that fig tree, you could tell what stage it was in, whether it was in the winter months or whether it was in the spring because of the flowers, the fruit that was on it, all these different things. Interestingly enough, Jesus says that it's almost clockable. You can almost know what's going on by looking at the fig tree. Well, he compares it to the nation of Israel. And so let's just go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, as we read your word now, bless it, keep it in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. It says, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branches have come forth and tender, it puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the very doors. Surely I say to you, this generation will no means pass away till all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. Jesus had just began, uh, or just finished, explaining to them the things to look for, the signs of the end. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, you begin to find the things that Jesus said would directly precede his coming. Now, not only do you have an immediate, you might say an understanding or interpretation of scripture concerning What he'd said, because in the Hebrew understanding, friends, there was always three things. There was the immediate thing that Jesus said. Uh, that which was saying what he was saying, what, what it absolutely meant. The second was the spiritual application, and the third, the prophetic, or the things to yet that would take place. Not only did these things take place when Jesus spoke of the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD, but Jesus was speaking on something much more, looking into the future, friends, where I believe we're at today. And uh, as you look at all the events of today that are happening in the news, you see the Middle East in complete turmoil. You realize in that Middle East contains the major resources of the world's oil. You realize that we're looking at some interesting changes going on in our society and in the world today. Now, one of the things you also want to remember is that when you see all these things going on, the, the situation right now with Iran is fairly critical because of their desire to destroy Israel. Now, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 that in the last days, speaking of what I believe we're living in right now, there's going to to be a coalition of Arab neighbors that are going to unite together, very much as the United States when we went into Iraq, we had a coalition of nations. There's going to be a coalition of Arab neighbors to destroy Israel. Now, the Bible tells us that it will be in the last days, And one of the principal players will be what's called Persia. Now we say, well, well, there's no Persia anymore. Well, Persia is Iran. And Persia is one of the ones that are dedicated to destroying Israel. Now what's important here is 
The Bible tells us in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that they come down to take a spoil. There's something that Israel has that they want, and the only way they can get it is to destroy Israel. Friends, by the way, this is not something new. This is as old as the world is itself. You destroy the person, you destroy the country, and take what, they, what they've got. This is just the way it always works. In fact, when we get up into the next chapter here in just a few more minutes, we're going to see that the Pharisees had to destroy Jesus for revenge and also to stop him from what he was doing. That was their understanding and their mentality. And so, interestingly enough here, Jesus is speaking concerning the future events that would take place. And Jesus said this, he said, when you see these things, uh, know that his coming is at the door. Now, he says in verse 32, he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven, nor the son, but only the father. This is speaking of the Lord's return. So take heed, Watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going into a far country who has left his house, given authority to his servants and to his work, and to and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, in the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. You know, here Jesus here says, be ready. You don't know what hour the Lord is going to come. Friends, we, also, we, we know the Bible tells us there is the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is very, very punctuated in the scripture. It's three and a half years from the abomination which makes desolate that uh, Jesus spoke of. We read about that last week when the Antichrist puts a picture of himself, he himself or his name, in the temple there in Jerusalem, declares to the world that he's God. Now the Jews who know that um, the Messiah, they, that's why they rejected Christ, they, they didn't believe he was God. Well, they also know that when the Antichrist declares to the world that he's God, <clears throat> that, that, um, that uh, their eyes are opened. And Jesus said, don't even go back in your house to get your coat. You just run for the hills. It's never going to be that bad on the earth ever again. Well, that's the last three and a half years. Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation period. That is called the second coming of Christ. But the rapture of the church, which the Bible talks about in Thessalonians and other places, is not some new concept. People vanishing or moving around. We find Elisha, or excuse me, Elijah being translated in the spirit. You might say the fiery chariot that took him. Enoch was taken uh, because he walked with God. We find uh, Philip, when he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, was transported supernaturally over to Arizona on the coast uh, of, of Israel. Uh, we find all the time through the scriptures these different places where Jesus um, and, and, and people who love him, uh, God has that freedom to move people around. Well, uh, I believe uh, Thessalonians tells us that he's coming again, the rapture of the church. Now, this is not to be confused with the second coming. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation period. Everybody that's a Christian agrees to that point. What there is some discussion over is when the rapture is. Now, the problem with um, trying to assign it to a time is that Jesus said, I don't know, only my Father in heaven knows. And evidently, because Jesus was in his earthly body, you might say his body like yours and mine, that information was withheld from him at that time. But Jesus says that, there is a time coming in which the Lord will come and take his church home. 
The Bible says that the trump of the archangel, Gabriel, is going to blow his trumpet. And we're going to be, in a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, transformed. And we're going to be caught up to be with him in the air. The Bible says there will ever be. Now, friends, I've got to tell you something. I don't know when that is. All I can tell you is what Jesus says here. Watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. Now, I oftentimes wonder what we'll be doing when the Lord comes back. You know, we think about it sometimes and, and um, you know, I, I just pray that when the Lord comes, we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, does that mean that if you're nailing a picture on a wall and you hit your thumb with a hammer and you say some cuss words and throw the hammer across the room that, that in the rapture come at that point, you wouldn't be raptured? Friends, I don't believe that. I, I think you would go in the rapture because of your relationship with God. But I do believe also that if a person wants to embrace sin and enjoys being in rebellion to God, whether you call yourself a Christian, backslid Christian, not a Christian at all, I I think that person might be in a different place. I I don't believe in what's called cheap grace. I do believe that there is an urging from God and from the Holy Spirit to watch and be ready. We're not talking a momentary lapse or a slip of, of our relationship with God because of the pressures of daily life. What we're talking about when a person, I believe here Jesus is speaking of, is where he's saying watching, that is implying of, 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 of maintaining your lifestyle before God. I, I, there's not a day in this life that we all don't sin and, and do something we regret doing. I, I know I do that all the time. You don't think so? I mean, you just drive a little bit and, and, and drive down blue lakes. And, and, and that's enough to challenge anybody's spirituality. When they signal left and turn right, or, or they come up to a stoplight, and they think, you know, this is a lovely place to take a nap. And, and, and I think about that, and it bothers me. And, 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 and so we, we understand these, these things and how we can get frustrated with life. Or you, you come in, or you have a, a fight with your wife or your husband or your kids, and, 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 and you feel that, that, you know, that, that you know, you're, you're, you're just, rah, I don't want to talk to anybody. We, we all go through that. That's not, I believe, what Jesus is talking about. I believe when he's talking about watching, I believe it's concerning a lifestyle and the way that we live our lives and that we're always being about our Father's business. Now, if you think you're going to do what God wants you to do and not have opposition, friends, you, let's get that straight right now. You're, you're not going to be about what your dad wants you to do in heaven without opposition from the world. Now, all the way through the scripture, we find it over and over and over again. So don't think it's something unusual or don't think it's something that, that uh, is wrong with you because in your process of trying to share the gospel with people, trying to love people and trying to help people, that there's not going to be those that are going to attack you. We live in a world today of people with dark agendas. And I think that a lot of times we as Christians, as we come to Christ and we try to be as transparent as we can be, that, that I believe that there's an element here that where we say, okay, Lord, I, I want to be about your business. I want to be at, at your hands, and I want to be your feet, and, and how can I help, and how can I bless people? Well, you know, what I've found a lot of times in doing that is that a lot of people think, well, because they're filled with dark agendas, they feel that because you try to help people, there's really another agenda. So in other words, if you walk up and talk to somebody and try to help somebody... You know, that, well, they're trying to pick up on that person. Or they're, they're trying to get them into a marketing scheme. There's always some kind of a, another agenda. Friends, I believe that we as Christians, we, we can just help people and bless people without a motive. The other option, friends, 
is then just don't talk to anybody. Well, then they'll accuse you of not being friendly. <laughs> so you're kind of in a no-win war here. But let me tell you something. It's not the way God sees it. And God has told us to reach out, bless, uplift, encourage, and make people understand that they're valuable to God. I don't think there's anything that's any better to do that. And I, I, I really believe that as, as we live as a family, I think sometimes just a little encouragement, maybe sometimes a, a little present or, or a kind word uh, to a brother or sister in the Lord, I think changes the whole way that maybe their day's gone, their week's gone, or maybe their whole destiny. You know, a lot of times people do things out of desperation. Have you ever noticed that? People sometimes feel that nobody cares. They feel that nobody is even concerned about them at all. And you know what those people sometimes do? They jump off bridges. And I think a lot of times we as Christians, as as we can reach out to people, and we can bless people, and we can love people, I think it changes the way, not only do they see themselves as they're valuable to God, but I think they, they see themselves in a different light as well, that they are and can be a contributor in other people's lives for good. You see, Christ came into our lives to change the way we see life. Friends, this is one of the things. Somebody asked me, they said, Mike, what do you do? And I said, you know what I try to do? I try to get people to see life in a different light than their own. To see it differently. Now, maybe it might be concerning a lot of different things. But to see things differently than you normally see them. A lot of people say, well, I don't have time to go to church. Well, what you might be saying there in reality is the only opinion in my life matters is my own And I'm closing myself off to any outside uh, information or stimuli that might change the way I see life. God comes along and says, listen, there is another perspective. And sometimes that perspective comes through other people who love God. And sometimes it changes the whole way we live our lives. If you believe that you're simply an evolved cosmic mistake, you know, lightning hit a swamp, Cause a bunch of squiggly things to move around. And the squiggly things then begin to grow fins. And then in the process of growing the fins, they also grew legs and they crawled out on land. And as they're crawling out on land, their fins fell off. They mysteriously and magically developed eyes and stood up and started walking erect and began to grow hair. They shaved all their hair off and became truck drivers. If you believe that, you're going to live your life much differently, friends, than if you know that God divinely created you and created you for a purpose so that he might bless you through eternity. And anything that we can do to begin to to bring about that change of understanding, friends, is what... Now, the Bible talks about things of the Spirit are spiritually discerned. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded people's eyes so they don't see the great deal that God offers them. And so I believe that as we reach out to people, we pray that the God of this world, Satan, is, is, is bound from people's understanding that they would understand that there's more to life than meets the eye and that Jesus, one of these days, friends, I don't know when it's going to be, is going to come and take his church home. And friends, what a glorious day that's going to be. Amen. You know, we think about that for a minute, you know, and we've read about it all of our lives. But, you know, Jesus wrote these things down in his word so that when these things come upon the world, that we would not be troubled by them. 
And that we would understand that this is part of the price of being a Christian. And furthermore, because we love God, that he has prepared a place for us in heaven where we're going to spend eternity. Just because things don't go well for you here doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be in eternity. You know, there's a lot of times we go through different things and we don't even understand why we go through them. Well, let me tell you, when that begins to happen, all I can tell you is you're probably in the spiritual realm. When you have these attacks and you don't understand why or where they are. You know, one of the most bizarre things in the Bible, if you want to really study the book of Acts, look at the attacks of Paul by the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day. It's very interesting. What was Paul doing that was so bad that caused a group of men to make an oath one to another that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul? You got to think about that for a minute. They wouldn't eat or drink until they'd kill Paul. What kind of crime did Paul do? You really don't find any crime that he did. But there's something in the spiritual world that as you begin to communicate truth to people, as people begin to see God in a different light, that he's not some impersonal entity in outer space. But when you begin to communicate that God is a God that loves you and is very part of your life and wants to have every part of your your life under control to help you maintain and keep your faculties and keep your tempers and keep your desires in control. And friends, apart from God, we're not going to do that. When God begins to do that in our lives, let me tell you something. The underworld goes into a tizzy. And because you represent or you may be the mouthpiece, or you may be the vehicle in which people's understanding change, all of hell's wrath comes against you. And I'm always amazed who the devil will use. The devil will use, friends, the weakest link in the chain. Now, one of the things I always want to be sure of, friends, and because I know that as the disciples walked with Jesus, there were times... Not just Judas Iscariot, but there was times in which Jesus would look at a disciple and say, Get behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter. And he said it to Peter for a reason. It's because what Peter was saying was to distort the whole purpose in which Christ came. When Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem, I must die. Peter said, You don't got to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to die. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. I want to be sure that... I'm never an instrument for that purpose. You you say, well, how do you keep that from happening? I believe watching, just as Jesus said here, he's coming quickly. And and we want to be sure that we're on and being about our Father's business. And that's kind of a hard thing to do in a world that demands so much of our time to do other business. I think God wants us again to refocus upon his lordship and who he is. Friends, it's all about Jesus. Do you know, as I look at this, I, I think about Jesus. On his way to Jerusalem, his disciples are following him. Jesus goes into the temple, clears the temple. Then Jesus begins the different discourses throughout the week, right before he was crucified. And that just happens to be where we're in the story today. And Jesus is, is revealing, uh, you know something? I think about the disciples hanging with Jesus. Jesus had his gang. You know what there is interesting about a gang? Is that the idea and the purpose was to bless people. Now there's gangs around today that are out to destroy people's lives, sell drugs and get into crime, things like that. But Jesus' purpose of his group was to bless people. 
tells me a lot about the nature of humans. tells me one thing, that there is within all of us a desire to belong. We want to belong. I don't want to be all alone. Nobody wants to be alone. You know, I just enjoy being alone. Well, if that's the case, I can tell you this, that you have evidently been hurt by a lot of people. Because that's the only normal response that oftentimes we can have when people have hurt us. We build walls to protect our heart. And so every once in a while, we'll, um, you know, look over the wall to see if people, yeah, you guys are all still there. Just what I thought. See you later. But we build our defenses up to keep from being hurt. And God's desire in our life is that those walls would come down. Because, see, in you, He's put something wonderful and something precious and something holy. And, and, and that's to be on display because it changes the way people think about God. And I think a lot of times we think, well, God, my, my, my input or my contribution to your kingdom is so small, I, I, I really don't need to even try. Who told you that? You see, every person has something to contribute to God. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow, Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's Time.